This is Proxilla Radio, the UK's first dedicated progressive rock music radio network. You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Hi there, this is Mike Lord. Hey there, this is Ellie here. This is Tom. And this is a revised three-man lineup, three-person lineup of Tabletop Genesis for you today. Uh, We are recording at Tom's house, which we have not recorded at before. Thank you, Tom, for hosting us. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, we moved here to record for tax purposes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And and, uh, uh, and then there were three. Yes, just for right. just for today. Yes, yes. just for today. Only for today. We're just recording. We're taking an opportunity to do something a little bit quicker to get this interview out to you all. Uh, we interviewed Jerry Murata, who played drums with, with uh, Peter Gabriel for a while, and um, we wanted to get this interview out while they were still touring. While he was still touring with his present band, The Security Project. So, Tom, we're going to hand you Simon's responsibility now to talk about uh, the Wikipedia entry for Jerry. It, it's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. I'll try to channel my best Simon. Governor, governor, <laughs> I'm practice. <laughs> so, this is what Wikipedia has to say about Jerome David Jerry Murata. He's an American drummer cur- currently residing in Woodstock, New York. He is the brother of Rick Murata, who is also a drummer and composer. Murata was a member of the bands Arthur Hurley and Gottlieb, Orleans, Peter Gabriel's band, Hall and Oates, the Indigo Girls, Stackridge, Svendies, and the Tony Levin Band. Murata also played drums on Stevie Nicks and Mike Campbell's song, Whole Lot of Trouble, from Nicks' 1989 album, The Other Side of the Mirror. He has also performed on albums by Ani DeFranco, Sarah McLaughlin, Marshall Crenshaw, The Dream Academy, Suzanne Vega, Carlene Carta, John Mayer, Iggy Pop, Tears for Fears, Elvis Costello, Cher, Paul McCartney, Carly Simon, Peter Gabriel, Lawrence Gowan, Ron Sexsmith, Banda de Casaco, and many others. In addition to his work as a studio and stage drummer, he is a singer, composer, and record producer. In 1996, he produced Ellis Paul's A Carnival of Voices. He is currently touring with The Security Project. So yeah, so that's a quick summary. Jerry played with everyone yeah. back in the day. <laughs> yes. You know, it was a classic studio musician where, you know, you play, you get the call, you play with people. And through a friend of ours, this, uh, our friend AJ, who works with Jerry, he set up this interview. So thank you, AJ, for that. Thank you. Um, we thought it would be really... And so Ellie and I, a couple weeks ago, went up mm-hmm. to uh, see speak to Jerry before he performed with another band that he's part of, a, a tribute band called Reelin' in the Years, which is a Steely Dan tribute band. And so we'll hand you over to the interview right now, Jerry graciously gave us about an hour of his time and uh, we hope you enjoy this interview we'll come back at the end of it to wrap things up
coming to Tabletop Genesis oh, today. Oh my god, thank so. you. Literally, we are on a tabletop. Yes, exactly. That's the whole We're sitting goal on a tabletop. Here. Yeah, exactly. So, so Jerry, you play you played with, you know, probably 90% of the people who work in music today. And you're here because of your work with Peter Gabriel, specifically, since that's what we talk about. Of course. Um, but can you talk about kind of how you got started in music? What was your first musical memory? Like, do you remember something from when you were a kid? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, my, my background was R&B. Okay. As a kid, I listened to a lot of R&B. I'm talking like six, seven, eight, nine. I had an older brother. I have an older brother who's a, sister, uh, who's, um, a drummer. Okay. And a compo- writer, drummer, uh, very successful. I have an older sister. Mm-hmm. So with older siblings, you know, they were playing records when I was too young to even know what a record was. But um, my, my thing was mostly soul music, you know, James Brown, Sam and Dave, you know, Motown, Philly. The st- then it, like stylistics became a big influence. Okay. And of course... There's nothing progressive or odd. Although, uh, no, the, the stylistics, you know, those, some of those songs, like People Make the World Go Round, are, uh, they're in odd times. There's odd bars. And, but, but, um, and they're great songs. They're great songs. So I, I, I'm, like a, I'm a song guy, okay. a show tunes guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I do love a good show tune. Very cool. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I just like so many different kinds of music. Right. Um, Were your parents musical? Or? My father was a dancer. Okay. Um, before he got into the car business. Okay. After he got out of the army, World War Two. Okay. Um, and then uh, they were musical, but they didn't really play instruments. But they were very into music, listening to music a lot. I listened to a lot of, you know, the Dorseys and big band stuff. They they, they love that kind of stuff, and uh, so I heard a lot of that around the house. Okay. So. What got you into playing music? Well, my brother did. My okay. older brother, he's about eight or nine years older than me. When he was in eight, about eighteen, mm-hmm. I was ten. He he was he a friend of his got drafted, went to Vietnam. This is okay. like nineteen sixty five, and uh, he he my brother talked him into leaving his drum set at our house. Mm-hmm. That's how we got started. So my brother started banging around on the drums. And then uh, I'd listen to him, and then when he'd leave, I'd go up and start banging around on the drum, trying to copy what he was doing. Were your parents cool with that? I know that. Oh uh, my God, I don't even remember. I mean, I, they, yeah, they were cool they didn't with have it. A choice. Right. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have a choice, and the drums were in the attic, so they were kind of oh, a little okay. far enough away from, from the 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 first floor, and and uh, but it was really tag team drumming. It was, it was pretty wild, yeah. and. Uh, so that's really how I got started. Okay. And my brother was obviously a very big influence on me. Yeah. And, uh, and he got really good really fast, mm-hmm. okay. like within two years. He didn't right. start playing the drums until he was in college. Okay. Now, I don't know if you know anything about my brother, but he's played with, he's like one of the most successful studio musicians sure. in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. Right. And he got, he got really good fast, and he, he just had, he had a special talent. Cool. So... Um, and then, so I, he was an inspiration, and I, I went and listened to him on sessions and yeah. playing gigs when I was, you know, pretty young. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was about 13, he went, he, he had uh, done some recording with Edgar Winter. Okay. Edgar Winter had a band called White Trash back then. Okay. And they played a gig out on Long Island in a club. This is back in the, the like, rock pile, I think the club was called. Okay. These are, like, these big, giant hot sweaty rock clubs <laughs> awesome. and 
um, where in the dressing room, uh-huh. you didn't want to sit on any any anything <laughs> yeah. because you don't know what was done on that yeah. on the cushions and what those stains were. Yeah. But I, my brother was filling in for the drummer, the normal drummer. Bobby Ramirez, who I think had gotten into a knife fight. These were like all like southern yeah. guys. These are like great guys, right, yeah. but didn't didn't shy away from any confrontation. Yeah. So, but the reason I'm telling you this is, they they played this long show, and I remember they did one encore after another, and then I was in the dressing room with them, and the whole band they're like they're all like psyched, and my brother is hyperventilating on a couch like a pool of sweat because he's playing drums. Yeah. And they're going, come on, man, come on. Edgar's like, come on, man, come on, let's do yeah. another one. And then one of the guys said, his brother plays drums? <laughs> let's get him out there. Right. And they looked at me, and they were like, come on, man, let's go. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, the crowd died down. <laughs> I, so I didn't get my, my that was not right. my first big okay. break in show business. But, but, but it's an example yeah. of what I, was, what I was subjected to. I graduated high school a year early, and I went okay. to summer school in the summer. Of 73. Okay. My brother had done a record with a group called Arthur Hurley and Gottlieb. Okay. And they were like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay. Now remember, 1973. Yeah. So Arthur Hurley and Gottlieb, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, like three-part harmonies, violin, bass, okay. acoustic guitar, piano, got, you know, multi-instrumentalist. So they had a top 40 single, and they were on Columbia. Mm-hmm. They wanted my brother to tour with them. He was too busy doing sessions. They said, hey, my little brother's perfect. These were guys who had met at college. They were yeah. like college age. So they were like three or four years older than me. So my br- I went and played with them. Mm-hmm. They said, this is great. We want you. So I had to go to my teachers because summer school was still going on. Yeah, sure. This was a week before summer school ended. So I went to my teachers and I explained to them. And my teachers, I was so lucky. Both of my teachers said, we know where you're going. We don't want to stand in your way. And they handed me the final exams and said, don't cheat. <laughs> Two hours. Right. Do the blah, blah, blah. And then when you come back from tour, yeah. bring them in and give them to us. And we'll bring them in. So yeah. the next day I was on a plane flying to Florida to do a show opening for Richie Havens. In 73, Richie Havens was like a god. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is, this is like just after Woodstock. Yeah. You know, like within that pe- right, few years yeah. period. So, so it was just like, it was unbelievable. Yeah. You played on the Orleans song, Still the One. Yes, I did. Which was, did that go to number one or was that like top ten or was oh, that? Oh, how could you ask that all question? Right, all right, all right, the right. anguish, oh, the, <laughs> oh, the humanity, the pain, the pain. The, the struggle. We didn't go to number one. Okay. I think we, st- we went to number two. Ah, and okay. the reason we didn't go to number one was because the number one record was a rec was a song called Disco Duck, ah. and it was like one of those novelty songs. Oh yeah, yeah, I know the song. So yeah, yeah. There was no beating Disco Duck. Right. Okay. So I think we only made it to number two. Okay. But I think you hear on the radio still. Yeah. Still the one. You never hear Disco Duck on the radio anymore. Well, that was when I was reading. I was like, still the one. I know that song. Right. That's, you know. Well, up. that was like I did a couple of years with. Arthur Hurley and Gottlieb. Sure. And then in 75, mm-hmm. I joined Orleans. Right. I, I auditioned to play with them. Mm-hmm. They were my favorite band on the mm-hmm. planet. And my girlfriend in high school went to Ithaca College. Okay. And the John, three of the guys are from that area. Okay. So they were based up there. And she came home. The first time she came home from college, she had this record. Okay. She said, this band plays 
at my school around Ithaca all the time. Yeah. You've got to hear them. I listened to that. They were unbelievable. Very first record. Mm-hmm. So the second time she came home, she dumped me. But I got to ride into Ithaca College in the, the next year okay. in a tour bus playing with Orleans at Ithaca <laughs> College. Right. So... Did uh, you invite her along to the show? Of course I did. Of course. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, of course I did. Yeah. So anyway, yes, I did play yeah. with Orleans from okay. 75 till around 70, the early 77. Okay. When John Hall, who was kind of the leader of the band, quit the band. Okay. So there was a, like a, there was a, a limbo period for Orleans. Yeah. And I went out to LA to visit my brother. Mm-hmm. He lived out in Los Angeles. And, and within a month, I don't know how it happened. I suspect Tony Levin had something to do with it. Okay. Did you Who know I, Tony at the time? I met him, but okay. we had never played together. But he was good friends with my brother. Okay. And I think Tony recommended either my brother or me somehow. And I think he figured there was a better chance of me doing it than my brother. This is with Peter Gabriel? Well, yes. Okay. That's the, that's oh, okay. He said he, it was with a singer named Peter Gabriel, who A, I had never heard of before. Okay. B, I didn't know who Genesis was. Right. So I'm listening to Motown, yeah. the Doobie Brothers, mm-hmm. Little Feet, you know, Frank Zappa. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to mostly black music. Yeah. So I, I wasn't listening to prog music. Yeah. No, Were no. you even aware that it existed out Well, there, everybody was, was aware of, of yes. Okay, yeah. I mean, Genesis at that point, yeah. I don't think really had. They had yeah. never done. They hadn't made a real big splash in Not America. in the U.S. at that point. No, at, so, yeah. no. So I mean, I knew about yes, of course. Okay. Yeah, they when they were like names. so kind of poppy and successful right. in the early, late '60s, early '70s, they were. Yeah. They had hits. Yeah. You know, so, so I listened to this record. Mm-hmm. It was the strangest record I'd ever <laughs> heard. I mean, excuse me, mm-hmm. a barbershop quartet. Yes. More upon the Burgermeister? <laughs> I will find out. Yeah, it uh, sounded like a Woody Woodpecker cart, yeah, like a cartoon. Exactly. I never thought dun, of it that dun, way, but now I'm not no, always it sounded like of it Carl that Stallings, way. I think, is the <laughs> yeah. who did who sure, composed yeah, that. It sounded like an orchestral, like a like a yeah. cartoon thing. So I thought this is so strange. Mm-hmm. There's no funk. There's nothing black at all about yeah. it. And it was very, you know, European English was more ethnic, Celtic, classical. They Their influences were very different than ours. Right. Our, our influences were more black, mm-hmm. R&B, big band, you know, like there was a bit of a, a swagger and a bit yeah. of a funk to it. This music was like modern love, yeah. slow burn, yeah. I mean, um, humdrum. Yeah. And I thought, this is like, this music is so out there, but it was a. Uh, it paid well. <laughs> sure. Okay. I I was I didn't have. It was like it was almost like um when you break up with someone and you immediately start going out with somebody else yeah. because you just don't want to deal with the pain because <laughs> Orleans was my love and yeah. I, that was my band. Mm-hmm. So I said I'm going to Europe. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting away from my ex my ex <laughs> band girlfriend right, yeah. and I'm going to another country another continent. Yeah. And. Uh, and so I went there, and it just evolved. Yeah. And ironically, Peter had a real love for soul music. Right, yeah. And I think that's what he liked about me. Yeah. And I wasn't playing, I wasn't doing, like, the prog thing. I wasn't, yeah. I have no chops, as you just heard from, yeah, the, you're, you're, from you're, the sound you're check. You're doing fine up there. But, but, so. uh, <laughs> and I'm not about chops. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. That's not what I do. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, a very groove-oriented yeah, player. Very feel, player yeah. And Peter loved that. So... 
So then that started the the there was the tour yeah. after the first solo record. Right. He did I would say a month long promotional tour with Alan Schwartzberg, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Malin, mm-hmm. Steve Hunter, yeah. Robert Fripp, yeah. Larry Fast, Tony Levin, Phil Auberg, like mm-hmm. guys that played on the first record. Right. So but those guys were a lot of those guys were like New York session guys. Yeah. And Alan Schwartzberg and Jimmy Mann, they weren't going to go on stay on tour with an English. But, but so, so he needed a band, and that yeah. was a perfect situation for me. Sure. So that's how I got involved with Peter. So how much, how much um, leeway did Peter give you with arrangements or musical suggestions? You know, was he open to suggestions, or was it more about, here's how the song is, I want you to play it this way? Nothing like that. Okay. I mean, Peter is brilliant. Yeah. He he kind of sets the table, mm-hmm. and then we kind of help cook the meal. All right. Cool. He doesn't sit you at the table and say, "Here, here's what you're eating." Right. I mean, honestly, and I mean this with nothing but love and admiration. Right. He rarely ever came in with a song. Okay. A finished song. Sure. And he more times than not had an idea, a, a title, mm-hmm. like a, a a groove on the yeah. piano. Blah, blah, blah. You know, he hardly ever came in with, this is the song, this is what we're doing, but I want you to play it like this. Yeah. And, pe- you know, I remember one time we were recording, I forget which record it was, might be the second one, we were in Holland okay. recording at Hilvar, at Relight, I think. Okay. It's, Genesis had done a record yeah, there. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know if it was Trick of the Tail or maybe before that. I think it was that. Wind and Wuthering. Wind and Wuthering. Yeah. So they had worked, so we went and we worked at this, session, this studio there. Yeah. So he had this song. And and uh, he's gonna kill me for because uh, I always bring it up. But we went in. He started playing this song, and he had he had like an idea for melody. He had actually a pretty good. Idea. So he started playing the piano. It almost sounded like Billy Joel. Okay. And so we started hammering it out, and it, and it was yeah. like it started to come together. It was like a pop song. Okay. Like a hit pop song. Right. We go in the control room. We listen. We were like, and then I'll never forget this. And Peter goes. He goes, and he was really lo- lovely guy to work with. Yeah. He goes, okay, now we know exactly how we're not going to do this. <laughs> okay. Like, we are not going to do that. Right. We got that out of our systems. Mm-hmm. You know, now let's, now that we've done that, do anything but that. And that is so like Peter. Right. Now, he never, I don't ever remember him yeah. ever mandating anything okay. to anybody well there's some of those uh songs like on, on that sec tour for the second album where it's like there's almost like i think there's like prototype versions of not one of us that you guys played live that had a bit of the melody to it but it was really a totally different arrangement to what showed up later on on the third album right you know it, it really was kind of like playing in this music and you know something on that tour like um I don't remember had much more of that strict song arrangement to it, but it was still being worked on. You could kind of knowing what would come later. You can hear that it was a little bit, you know, different in its arrangement. Sure, it's, it's good to hear that you guys had input that way. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not taking anything oh, away from sure, Peter. Yeah. He, he's our leader. Yeah, he's had but the final if, say. But if you say, remember, yeah. Peter wouldn't even title any of the albums. <laughs> right. And if you remember, every one of them sounded dramatically mm-hmm. different. Like that. First of all, I love the first record. Yeah, definitely. I it's almost might even be my favorite of yeah. his records. I love that record. Mm-hmm. I mean, Humdrum is amazing.
I'd say the security really to me mm -hmm. was his masterpiece. Yeah. And 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 Tony, mm -hmm. um, Larry Fast, yeah. David Lord, mm -hmm. uh, David Rhodes, and myself, mm -hmm. that we all helped to paint that. And I believe that record was a groundbreaking breaking record. Mm -hmm. We didn't know it at the time, but yeah. that record was a real masterpiece. Yeah. It's, it sometimes gets overshadowed both by the third album that kind of has its own kind of mystique and really, like we were talking about when we did the podcast, when we talked about the third album, we said that's when Peter Gabriel became Peter Gabriel. You're talking about the Melting Face Yes, record. The, melt, yeah. the Melt album, where it was really like he kind of figured himself out. And yeah. like everything else after that had to at least be of that quality. Yeah, that came from there. Steve so, Lillywhite, I yeah. think, was the producer. Yeah, yeah. Hugh Padgham was the engineer. Yeah, I think, I think that Steve Lillywhite was very young. Those were yeah. they were young guys, yeah. and I think they had done a record called Drums and Wires with okay. XTC. Uh, right. Yes. Making mm -hmm. plans for Nigel. Right. And uh, a phenomenal record, great band. Mm -hmm. And Steve and Hugh uh, worked on that record. Steve produced it. Hugh right. engineered it. And I think that's what drew Peter towards okay. Steve. Great record. Lily White is like still to this day one of my absolute favorite producers. Right. Amazing, amazing. And in, in some ways, just like Peter, it's hard to tell how he gets it there, but he gets it there. Yeah. Because he never he never he never like orders anything, mandates anything. Like he I would I would always you know, oftentimes the plight of a session player is you do these basic tracks and they're great. And then six months later, you get the record, and it stinks. Right. And they just screwed it up. Yeah. Steve never did that. Steve okay. always, the record was always even better than, than the basic tracks. Right. And I, I talked to him, we worked together on a lot of records. Yeah. And I, I would talk to him about it, and he said, you know, I, I was talking about how he does it, what he's doing. And and he, he said, you know, Jerry, you know what I do, how I do it? I hire you. I hire Tony. Mm -hmm. I hire, um, I hire guys that do what I, I love. You just, I love your approach. Yeah. And, and that, that's a great place to start. And you get out of the way at that point. Yeah. And let, let people do what they do. So, so do you have, looking back on your work with Gabriel, do you have both kind of a favorite track that you worked on with him? And for whatever reason, whether it came out the way exactly you thought it was going to, and also a track that that you weren't on, whether it was from that first album or from after, you know, So Onwards, which you were on a couple tracks on So, but are there anything in that later period that grabs you that even makes you say, oh, I wish I played on that? Well, we did a version of Big Time. Okay. That was like security, the next the next generation. Okay. That I had goosebumps for like a day and a half when we did that. Sure. But that did not make it to the record. Okay. I mean, I think it, honestly, I almost feel like at that point, Peter, Genesis was global yeah. and huge. Mike, even like Mike Rutherford, had Mike and the Mechanics. Yeah. Uh, Phil Collins had his solo career, unbelievably huge. Yeah. Simple Minds, who Peter discovered and took on tour with him, huge. Yeah. Um, Howard Jones, open shows, huge. Right. Everybody was getting huge except for Peter. And I think he had always talked about doing um, an R&B record of covers. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and yeah. so I think, honestly, I think what happened was if you do covers of songs, 
somebody else, another songwriter's getting rich mm-hmm. off of your record. Right. So I think what Peter did was he followed that R and B um, platform, yeah. and he and he and he you know he did uh, Big Time and Sledgehammer. He, yeah. he it was much more of a of a black uh, right. influenced record. Now, what happened with the with my involvement with that yeah. record is. That Peter, we had a time period for Peter to do so, right. and then a time period that I was going to do a record with Paul McCartney. Right, yeah. So, and they were kind of back-to-back. Okay. Which is, you know, amazing. Right. And like a month or five or six weeks, one, then five or six weeks, the other. Yeah. Well, at the last minute, Peter changed his plan, and he moved the, his session to exactly when Paul was doing his session. Okay. And I honestly... That's a tough choice to make. It wasn't a choice I okay. made based on... Who's better or bigger? Right. My allegiance was always with Peter. Okay. But I had signed on to the McCartney record. Right. Now the McCartney record was Eric Stewart from Ten CC, mm-hmm. Paul, and me. Okay. So there's only three guys yeah. like the the foundation of that record. Yeah. Hugh Padgham was producing it right. and engineering it, and he's the guy who hired me. Okay. And um, I think Paul had heard some stuff I had done. I'd worked with a group called Tears for Fears. Yeah. yeah. I think they were their, his kids' favorite band. Ah, okay. I think that was an, that had some kind of yeah. a, a bearing on Paul hiring me. Um, and, but so while I was doing Paul's record on the weekends, mm-hmm. I would go and work on Peter's record, but I I, I couldn't commit to doing Peter's sure. record, right. and so that was that was the yeah. story there. That's okay. that's how I remember. Yeah. So I know that back. I think it was on the security tour. There was a date where. You had back issues, and Phil Collins was going to sub in, and I think you guys ended up playing together. So oh, I have a, I had a herniated disc. I mean, it was oh. in my twenties, and I it was yeah. so bad yeah. that we were like in Switz. I went to doctors in France and Switzerland. I could hardly walk. It was really bad. Okay, I mean, like not just my back hurts. It was like I can't stand up. Right. Yeah. So, I we had a show like in France or Switzerland, and then we had a couple two days. To go to London before we do this big Crystal Palace show. Okay. So Peter gets a hold of Phil to see if Phil will fill in for me for the show. Right. So I'm laying in a hotel in London, like, like just sweating it out. Right. Phil's calling me up every half hour, like asking me questions about one song or another. Right. So I do everything I can to make it. I mean, I don't, you, get, you know, the show yeah. has to go on. Right. I had a big weight belt. I was about a half the size I am now. Sure. So I had a big weightlifter's belt like mm-hmm. to hold. So so I get to Crystal Palace. Phil has his tech there. I mean, Phil Collins is more famous than all of us. Right. He's got his drum kit there. Yeah. His tech is there. And like I'm there. And not only was Phil there, but Alan Schwartzberg, the drummer from the <laughs> right, first right. record, sure, sure. he was there. In <laughs> fact, Tony, he said to me, he said, we walk out onto the stage and we're getting ready. And he goes, you know, don't look either left or right because there's two guys who are just hoping you're going to go down. <laughs> there's two guys hoping right. you go down right? so they can dive in. Yeah. Well, Phil had said, Jerry, I'm going to play. I learned all this music. Right. you got to figure out somewhere for me to play. Right, sure. And I'm like, play everything, anything. Yeah. Play whatever you want. I love Phil. Yeah. I'm a huge Phil fan. Right. Great guy. Yeah. So we ended up playing on a couple of songs together. Okay. I was happy to have him play. Yeah. And I did make it through the show. The um, 
when when you got into this Gabriel world, I mean, not that other than the first tour you were on, there really wasn't any prior old Genesis music played. But did you kind of go back and kind of dive into that catalog and listen to any of that music? No, just to familiarize yourself. No, not okay. really. Okay. No, I was I was very confident. Sure. Okay. And I was very sure of what I was doing and where right. I was going. Okay. Uh, it wasn't until a bit later when uh, one of the early tours we we. We played a show in New, in New York City in Central okay. Park. Okay. And Peter said, "Let's learn back in New York City." Okay. So we 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 we, we do this show. Mm-hmm. It was like the Schaefer something or this yeah, concert yeah. series. Yeah, there's something like different. in the I think it was in Woolman Rink or something, okay. some big thing. And and we start playing back in New York City, which we didn't really know very well, <laughs> and right. it got so messed up. <laughs> that Pete, we had to just stop. Yeah. And when you don't know it, if you get messed up, yeah. somebody somebody gets messed up, forget about it. Right. Yeah. So that was really fun. That was the first time we played that. Okay. Um, and it was really the only thing we ever played. Okay. Peter did not want any connection to Genesis. He, not because he didn't want to. Right. He didn't want anybody to think that he was using Genesis. Yeah. When we did a thing, I believe it was Rock Palast. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a big... Yeah. Concert that was broadcast. Yeah. Like Peter's all been putting over that you. on his website. He just got the rights to that. Yes, I so saw that. Putting it up on his when website. we did that, I, re- I think it was that show. It was in yeah. Essen, Germany. When we kind of pulled up on marquee, it said like Peter Gabriel from Genesis or something oh, okay. like that. And and whenever anybody did that, Peter immediately he got somebody and said, "You have to take that down." Okay. And admirably, he you yeah. know he didn't want to. Uh, he didn't want to appear to be riding on the coattails of Genesis. Sure, yeah. Do you have of the tracks that you recorded with Gabriel, what are what are your favorites? What are the ones that jump out at you and saying this really captured that moment? Um well, a song like I Have the Touch oh, yeah. I thought that song was gonna be a hit. Okay. I really thought that song was gonna break Peter. Sure. Because it was funky, yeah. it was modern. I mean I love that. Yeah. I mean Wallflower to me is one of the is like a is an absolutely astounding song. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, the drumming on it is a bit strange, and you know, I uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, uh, what what else? I mean, I you know, I don't know. I don't I don't know what to say. It's all such the big picture for you. It's probably hard to kind you know. Of Kiss of down. Life yeah. was another one. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Red Rain, of course, right. is a is a brilliant yeah. you know production and i i think i played something on it you yeah know, you're credited with the drums for that yeah i mean so there's like Stuart copeland's hi-hat <laughs> somebody else's kick drum yeah, yeah. jerry's toupee <laughs> jerry played you know maraca maraca and right I yeah. it got i think well um as an aside i think it actually started to take away from peter the the technology okay as it grew and you could do more and more tracks. Yeah. And I think Peter and we, Peter and I, have had this conversation. Yeah. I, I think it, it. I think he suffered from that. When yeah. the records that we did mm-hmm. together, there was no, there was, there, there were no. The technology was very simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, on security, there was a Fairlight, right? And that was unbelievable. But that was like babe, early days. Yeah. But and I, Peter agreed. Yeah. He agreed with me that it, it got so overwhelming. You know, 
a, a good friend of mine, Chad Blake, who's an engineer, okay. and he mixed um, one of Peter's records. Okay. Up or uh, yeah, Us yeah, or one of them. The name, yeah. And Chad told me a very funny story. He said he mixed this record, and Peter would, they bring the song in and it had like 120 tracks. Right. And Chad would like trim it down to like 65 tracks. Yeah. Peter would come in and listen to it, and he'd go, that is awesome. That's incredible. It's the best it's ever sounded. I love that. That's great. And then he would disappear. And Chad was telling me the next day, he came back with 32 more tracks. <laughs> and I think what was going on is, at this point, he had little production rooms. So yeah. he had all of these people working on tracks to try to find the, the very best of it. Yeah. And that's great. But I think it took away from some of the the heart and soul and grit that we that we created on the second record right. white shadow and yeah. and um, if you only have 24 tracks you need to use those 24 tracks but if you all of a sudden have 192 right you can see that peter's a detail-oriented guy if you give somebody with that kind of obsession you know the opportunity to use a hundred and some tracks you'll take it so it's hard not yeah. to yeah but i mean peter was a huge influence on me in yeah. so many ways yeah as a person, right. as a human being, I really, um, nowadays, you know, I'm 61 now. Okay. And I'm, you know, the sun is setting. I'm in, you know, they're digging yeah. in my row, as a friend of mine <laughs> okay. said, yeah. at, a, at a funeral. Okay. It's like, yeah, look over there. You see that? That's our row. They're digging. They're starting to dig over there. <laughs> so I, I really, um, yeah. I really, I'm, it saddens me that, mm -hmm. that, um, that, I, I didn't get to continue working with Peter. Sure. But I was a real pain in the ass. <laughs> I never held anything back. Right. And well, I that's think, the Italian-American. Yeah, I think, so that, I, think it just, I just drove him crazy, and right. eventually he just had to cut me loose. Right. Yeah, times change like that. So you got into, a couple of years ago, in 2012, I think it was when you started up the security project. Is uh, that when it was? It was, because Elliot, we were just, Ellie and I were checking this before, because we saw you guys at B.B. Uh, King in New York City. I think uh, it was the first tour you guys were doing. I'm sure it was, with Josh Gleason. Yes, yeah, and so that was, and that was in August of 2012 when we saw you guys there. Amazing. So, anyway, but that's an aside, but, but what kind of inspired you to kind of come back and kind of revisit this music? It from... was not my idea. Okay. I mean, uh, there was a guy who was... Working that I had met and and got to know. Okay. Who was working with a band called The Waiting Room? Okay, yeah. And uh, and they had a sing and they do Gabriel stuff. Yeah, and there's yeah. a singer who's wearing the monkey makeup. <laughs> yeah. They played in Woodstock at the Bearsville Theater. Okay. I went to see them. Mm -hmm. He he um, convinced me to come see them. He said I'd love to get you and Tony and Larry and David with this guy and do uh -huh. this thing and you know. Nobody really wanted to do it. Yeah. And I and and Josh was great. He, yeah. I thought he was great. <clears throat> but Tony didn't want to do it. Nobody really wanted. I, I didn't want to do it. You know. Yeah. It just. It was like in a weird way. It's like getting remarried. And so, like time went by, and the, occasionally he would contact me, mm -hmm. and then he had connected with another guy, and the two of them were now starting to put more pressure on, and the other guy was what had had um, was maybe a little more clever. And he said, I said, no, I don't really want to do it. And he said, well, I spoke to Trey Gunn. Mm -hmm. And Trey said, you know, he'd actually consider doing it if you do it. 
Okay. So when I when I heard the Trey was interested, yeah, that that was what made me want to do it. Right. That makes it. And interesting. I hadn't yeah. been listening to any of the stuff. I I I, I had moved on to right. doing many more. I records. know you worked with the Indigo Girls for a while. Yeah. And Hall and Oates in the eighties. Yep. So yeah. I know Elvis you had a Costello. Lot of yeah, yeah. Stevie Nicks, right. Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. Playing with a lot of different people, touring with Hall and Oates. Right. Yeah. Um, there was a period of time when I. Was doing both Holland Notes and Peter. Okay, that was amazing. <laughs> I finished. Tour, a, go on the next, I finished probably. a tour in Tokyo with Holland Notes. Yeah, and flew to England, and and got to Ashcombe House in okay. Bath at like six thirty in the morning and waited for the guys to get up to start rehearsing for a Peter tour. Yeah, I mean those were the great. Yeah. those were great days. Right. So I know with the security project, you now have um, Happy, Happy Roads. Why was I blanking on that? So, um, and what I was listening to, unfortunately, Ellie and I just hadn't been able to see you guys in concert since then. We're going to the Newton show in about two weeks Great. in New Jersey. Um, and listening, I think I heard a version of I Don't Remember online, and it's a very, like, it's not a straight cover, which I like. I like when kind of you guys, when... When artists play around with the music, you don't do it just as a carbon copy of a... No, I'm, I'm very album. proud of that. Yeah, so... You know, it's not easy to reinvent Peter's music. Yeah. Sure. And there's certain things that we... Like, lay your... I call them the epics. Okay. Lay your hands on me, family in the fishing net, mm -hmm. wallflower, um, uh, there are... San Jacinto. Sure, there, there's yeah. one... There's really... They have to be done the way they're yeah. done. It's like Frank Sinatra singing, you know... New York, New York. Right. Said, you know, you just don't go, don't go there. Right. Yeah. You know. So, but we play them like very faithfully. Okay. I mean, lay your hands on me is like a, so and you know yeah. is also one of those songs of Peter's that I'm like so proud that I had anything to do with. Oh sure. Um, a lot of that record, the, mm -hmm. the security record, but but, so we had, uh, we initially had Josh Gleason, then yeah. we had Brian Cummins. We found right. a guy, an English guy, great singer. Right. Great guy. As we were working, I, I could tell that this was not going, th this was not going to last forever. Okay. He was either going to quit or we were going to, because there was just, the the personality, I love Brian, he's great, but yeah. there were personality clashes. Yeah. And, and, um, and so we did a show at the Bearsville Theater and Happy came. Yeah. Trey and I had both worked with Happy. Yeah. And Happy came to hear it and she just loved it. She said, she thought it was, you know, awesome. And then Trey and I just looked at each other and said, what about Happy? Yeah. Now, as we were starting to, uh, I in my mind, I, I'm thinking, I'm starting to think of, mm -hmm. look, I'm thinking, uh, who who's going to be the next singer in this yeah. band? I felt like we should get a, like, we, I didn't want to rule out a female. Right, sure. I really felt like a female could be a great move. Yeah. Because that'll force us to, to, to spin it differently. Right. And... It won't be a tribute band, and the the sense of because Josh and Brian both sang very much like Peter. Yes. Um, so so we got ha so happy, thought about it, and she hadn't really been performing much for years. So okay. Thankfully, she agreed to do it. Okay. Now, her style is so different. Mm -hmm. There were certain songs I don't remember was one of them. Mm -hmm. In Intruder, I think was another one. When you hear it, it's also very different than okay. the Peter's version, and I think th those were ones that really didn't quite work mm -hmm. with Happy's voice okay. or Happy's delivery. Okay, she was the first, would be the first to tell you. Yeah, 
So we kind of figured a way to morph it more towards what Happy does. Right. And and in those cases, it really it really worked out well. Very cool. Yeah. And and I'm really great. I'm, I think it's great. Yeah. It's opened up a huge yeah. Well, door. I think that that gives you a reason to do something different. Right. So, I mean, at this point, yeah. I don't want to even from you know I don't even want to call it the music of Peter Gabriel. Right. Yeah. I want the security project. I mean, Trey's got some great music. Yeah. Um, Michael's written music for Shriekback and for Sky Cries Mary. Like okay. he's a he's a writer. You know, <clears throat> I feel like we need to branch out and do our right. own thing. Happy's got 11 CDs. Sure. We could spend the next 10 years taking a song off of each of those CDs and re- remaking them. Right. And we'd have 11 CDs, and, you know. Yeah. We, we, we'll be lucky if we live that long. <laughs> right. So, on a different subject, I know you own your own, you own and run your own studio up in Woodstock. Yes. Dreamland. So, exactly. Um, how long have you been doing that for? Well... I don't own Dreamland. Oh, okay. I have a partner who uh, okay. we started Dreamland in the mid '80s. Okay. And then in the early 2000s, got fed up with the music business, okay. and he shut the place down. All right. Now it's a magnificent place, okay. residential recording studio, okay. in the Catskill Mountains, mm-hmm. and it's in an old church built in the late 1800s. Okay. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And so for about seven years, it was shut. Okay. Seven or eight years, nothing going on. Yeah. And then. Uh, He's the guy who really owned the studio is a good friend of mine. Right. I approached him about letting me take the place over. Okay. Because I have a studio in my house. Okay. Called Jairsville. but I was also going through a divorce, and I was thinking I may not have a house. Sure. Okay. Um. So I'm 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 looking for a place that I can continue to work. Mm-hmm. So, my friend Joel discouraged me from taking over. Okay. He said, "Don't we're Jerry. You and I are great friends, and I'd love to keep it that way." Don't do this. Right. It's awful. <laughs> Running a studio is awful. Right. But I did take it over mm-hmm. uh, with a friend of mine, Pete Kagan, uh, early on, and we mm-hmm. we got the place up and running. It's okay. phenomenal. It's like a million, two million and a half dollars worth okay. of equipment in this place. Sure. This is not. This is like a magnificent studio. So, uh, so I t- I've taken that over, and I've been running that since I don't know how. How how long it's been? It's been years. Okay, so then, because I always think about musicians nowadays, because it's not the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties or the seventies anymore. So how do you kind of piece together your musical living at this point? Not you know? easy. I mean, uh, my I have a son who's nineteen. Okay. And when he was born in ninety eight, I I kind of had to curtail. I, okay. I was married. Yeah. I had a stepson who was mm-hmm. young. I had, I had. Uh, a, a baby mm-hmm. and a wife, and I, I couldn't go out on the road all the time. Yeah, yeah, and sense. then of course the industry changed. Yeah. And there was no getting back. Yeah. Uh, but but I do a lot of different things. Yeah, like the security project. Yeah. I have a thing called the Fragile Fate. I don't know if you've seen. I that. tried. Uh, AJ sent me a download for that. So yeah, I was able to listen to that. That's Very with nice. uh, yeah. Rupert Rupert um, Greenell from the. Okay. From the fix, okay, um, and Eric Taylor, who's a friend of mine and a very creative guy. Okay. I have this. I play in a band called Annie and the Hedonists, okay. which is kind of like music from the twenties and the thirties. Oh, okay. It's amazing. Okay. I started the Murata Brothers Band okay. this summer right. with my brother, who's sure. a um, a drummer right. who lives on on Martha's Vineyard all summer. Oh, long. sure. That, well, that's my brother's a well. Summers. My brother has a lot of money because he got into scoring and he ah, okay. he his his cash cow is. 
a show called Everybody Loves Raymond. So oh, he wrote okay. the theme song. I didn't realize and that. He, okay. And he did the music for that. So, okay. And he did many other shows. Sure, okay. So um, I wanted to spend more time on the vineyard, and I really wanted to do this thing with my brother. Okay. And I thought, this is going to be, this is, there's something here. Yeah. And I'm not getting any younger, and he's nine years older than me, so sure, okay. he's definitely not getting any younger. <laughs> right. so, let's do yeah. this thing. So I do the Murata Brothers. We did that all summer. Okay. Every week I drove to Martha's Vineyard from Woodstock. It's a rough life. So and we played, yeah. and one of our biggest and most faithful fans was Bill Murray. Ah, okay. And his brother, Brian Doyle Murray. Sure. They came, so we did eight weeks. Okay. Bill and Brian came to numerous shows. Okay. And you'd play in different places around Martha's No, we played or? in one place. Oh, okay. Which place? It was called Lola's. <clears throat> so we we found that place. Okay. We got a couple of guys from the vineyard I'd played with. There's a lot of great sure. musicians. Oh, yeah. Sure. John Zeman is a guitar player. Okay. His daughter, Zoe, is 22. Okay. Great bass player. Um, and Bill Murray's bass teacher. <laughs> Okay. Um, West Westnage uh, is a keyboard player. Okay. These guys play, and then we've we've got this girl Joanne Cassidy. Okay. Just an absolutely a remarkable singer. Absolutely. So we put this band together. My brother did not want to do it. <laughs> he was complaining. I don't want to do this. Right. It's a bad idea. So, but after two gigs, my brother was. I mean, he had a he was back giant, again. giant grin on his face yeah. he had so much fun playing because yeah. he spent more time in the studio writing right. and a lot less time playing right. so are um, you both playing drums or was yeah. he doing okay. no we're both playing drums okay very cool and uh, yeah. yeah double drumming is not my favorite thing yeah. but we developed over time you know and he's, he's my idol you know yeah. he's my he's my mentor so we, there's a definite you know um, there's a deep Net. soulful connection Excellent. there so yeah. I'm doing that and I do some sessions, okay. running the studio. Mm-hmm. I do some writing. I scored a film. Okay. I've scored. I've scored a pilot for a television show okay. that Judd Hirsch is the star of, oh, well, and okay. I actually have a small part in, called Small Miracles. We'll see if it gets picked up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at a little scoring work, but it's all everybody's. You know, everybody's scrambling for the for the the scoring yeah. job. Yeah. Because there there's still a bit of money in scoring. Yeah. By the way, one well. of the things that I. That I, I want to make sure that's yeah. clear is one uh, vision I have for the security project yeah. after the second one seconds out, yeah. the second <laughs> yes. second singer's out, yeah. is Happy came in and she was very clear. I don't know how much of this I can do. Mm-hmm. I'm married. I have a great life. Yeah. I live on a farm. Yeah. I'm, I'm you know what I mean. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm a private person. I'm a, so I started thinking. Um, like for instance, working with Rupert Greenell from The Fix, yeah. I started thinking. Um, um, I thought maybe what we should do is have a revolving, doing this material because yeah. doing the same thing over and over again could could get tiresome. Yeah. I thought, well, what could we? How could we make it different? Yeah. One way is that we do tours with different singers. We're really looking forward to seeing it in, in Newton in a couple of weeks because it really is. Hey, we haven't seen you guys in a while, and it's. And it's great to hear this music that sometimes Peter doesn't dive back into his back catalog the way that that you guys. Well, do. this is so. another. It's, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. You know, we don't want to do Salisbury Hill. We don't want to do yeah. Sledgehammer. Yeah, we don't want to do. Yeah. We don't want to do things. Yeah. Great songs, but we've no. Heard we them don't want to do the before. songs yeah. that Peter does now. Yeah. Like I, this is the way I look at it, and 
unfortunately, Peter, I hope you're not listening. I mean, if Peter goes out and does the material that we're yeah. doing, he's gonna play like a uh, he's gonna play like a theater. Okay, yeah. He he ain't playing an arena and he ain't right. playing a stadium. Yeah. But if he doesn't play Sledgehammer big time, don't give up. Yeah. And you know that kind of stuff. You know, if he does normal life, yeah, which we do. You know, um, and that's stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we did White Shadow and Not right. One of Us, and you know, yeah. well, you know more upon the Burgermeister yeah. people. They're not. He's not going to get twenty five thousand yeah. people like, at that. Show. I always figure that the people who go to a show like the Security Project are the people who know everything. Yeah. For the most part, it's it's it, sure it happens, but it's rare that I would think you would get somebody who goes, "Oh, I just love so. I'll go see this Peter Gabriel cover band." They know the first album, the second album, the third album. And so hearing those tracks that probably, again, people older than us might have heard back in the day. Yeah. But, you know, but again, I'm 46 right now. So right. I, I was too young to hear this sure. the first time around. We, so. we, um, it, it's amazing mm-hmm. to get up in front of an audience of yeah. people that were there. Yeah. And they love it. Yeah, they really appreciate they, it. And I get up sometimes, uh, much to the chagrin of the rest of the guys in the band, but I, if they if they don't kill me, I come out at the end of the show and then yeah. I'll talk for five yeah. or ten minutes, and and like and you know talk to the audience and the people love it. There's a lot yeah. of Gabriel fans that were there, yeah, and um, um, and they want to hear this. Stuff, yeah, so. exactly. Cool. And it's so much fun playing it. Yeah. I'm telling you, I have, you know, I've, cool. I've been doing this a long time, and yeah. I I really. I moved to Woodstock. Yeah. I'm not living in LA or Nashville yeah. or New York. I don't want to play on a lot of sessions. Yeah. I just want to do what I want to do, and I want to yeah. I want to do what I do, and in a way that we did with Peter. And yeah. a lot of people now more than ever, people don't have the budget. They want to do ten songs in two days. Yeah. You know, we did ten songs in two years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Peter. Yes, Peter was not known for moving quickly. So. No. Well, I know you got to get on stage to play with this uh, Steely Dan Really in the Years project that yeah, you're doing. Exactly. So, Jerry, thank you for coming and talking to us. We really appreciate it. Go see the security project, whether it's in this November or in the future when they come around. Yeah. And it'll be a great time. So, yeah. Jerry, thank you so much for talking to thank us. Thank you. I
So that was the interview with Jerry. So it, again, thank you, Jerry, for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, Tom, since you were the person who was not physically present, what uh, is there anything that jumped out at you about the interview? Uh, well, I, I just what a a character Jerry is. Yes. I mean, just uh, I wish I were the, had been there just to sit down and get to know him. And I'm glad I did get to meet him last night at the security project show. But he just has a lot of great stories and mm. a great memory too. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, some of these. Uh, stories that he was talking about like on concert and for uh, the early tours I mean there's 30 35 yeah. 40 years ago yes. I mean and and just to have that kind of memory of, of details uh, was fantastic especially for people like us who were on the younger right side and didn't get to go to those shows it's nice to kind of have like a historical record in Jerry for that for that kind of thing yeah it, it was great he was he definitely enjoys talking about his career and about kind of the work that he did. And obviously has a great love for this music with yes. Peter. And, you know, is, you know, I think there's that wistfulness of not having been able to carry on with that work, mm -hmm. you know, because Peter wanted to go in a different direction with drums and rhythm and things like that. But it's, it was definitely, there was still a great affection for that music mm -hmm. for, and for Gabriel himself. I think it was really telling in a lot of ways. And it's always, I mean, we talk about the alternative history, mm. that scheduling of Gabriel's recording and then Paul McCartney's recording, like how the, yeah. they would plan to be with Gabriel mm. and then go and record with McCartney and then Gabriel pushed his back, I right. think. And so I think he was more, more committed to McCartney at the time. Plus, I think it was something that he hadn't done before. Like he had played with Gabriel. Right. So to, to actually play with McCartney was something new and different and probably at that time in his career he's like I want to do a little something different and plus it's Paul McCartney right <laughs> and there's and it's yeah. a if you've made a commitment it's hard to shift that around because especially as a session musician your your word is your you you you, you say you're supposed to be somewhere and you're there right yes so it's difficult then if something does shift around and then you have to leave I think he said for about a week to do things with McCartney and you know that's that's something that you know sometimes that does change a relationship you know at, at those times so what are you going to do but i thought it but i thought overall that you know he obviously like i said just has a great passion for music in general i was fascinated when i was doing the research and mentioned it to him that i didn't know that he was on that song still the one um which as soon as i saw the title I was like I know that song and I had no idea that he was even part of that band so you're still the one exactly <laughs> <laughs> so you know was that made in Argentina do you remember that song I don't remember it sorry about um, that do you remember Disco Duck no <laughs> uh, okay. which was the, the track that kept kept it from being one. number one yeah oh there you so, go wow. but that's but it was a great interview and I was yeah. uh, Again, thank you, Jerry. And actually, the interview went from seven to eight, and his show was at eight. And I was like being the silent, being, yes. you know, the, because Mike was doing the interview. I was keeping an eye on my watch, and I was like, "It's almost eight. But yes. So thank you, Jerry. Yeah. Thank you. He <laughs> did say amazing. he did say, "Ah, oh, they can't start without me." So you <laughs> there know, you go. they're they're not going to start without a drummer on their on their Steely Dan uh, tribute band. Who would count them in? Exactly. Right. exactly. <laughs> and I have to say, I am not the. And I said this to, to Jerry afterwards. I am not the biggest Steely Dan fan in the world. I kind of I like what's on the radio, but it's almost like too perfect for me. But seeing that band perform the music live, I was like, I'm actually. I could become a Steely Dan fan listening to this. So oh, it was a great show. Yeah. yeah. 
So it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, one of the things, one of the stories I like that he talked about was when they performed in Central Park in Walnut mm. Rink, and I guess they decided to try back in New York City. Mm. And the way he started describing it, he was like, and so we performed it. And, and I was expecting him to say, the crowd loved it. <laughs> and he's like, and we so messed it up. Because, <laughs> yeah, as he said, that is a tough song to do. And as it's like, once you get off the rails, you can't really write right. yourself that easily from that song. Yeah, I have to find, I have to dig through some bootlegs and see if there's any versions of that. <laughs> hear them stumbling through some of these tracks. So. Uh, one of the other things that I also agreed with when he started talking about his work with Gabriel mm-hmm is that the advanced technology was kind of not that much of a good thing for the music. Like in the early days, you just had a certain amount of tools to work with, and that's what you did the album with. And he said that when the technology got more advanced and you had more tracks to use, more different you know synth sounds, all that, it kind of slowed the process, and, and you probably keep on thinking, i got to add more to it, i got to right. add more to it. And I guess I could probably show why... Gabriel's later albums took so long to do because I think when you have all this at your disposal, you're like, well, let me try it this way. Let me add this. And where if you had like eight tracks, 16 tracks, whatever it is, all right, that's right. it. We're you done. have to stop yeah. at some point. So, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I, I thought it was interesting too when he talked about how he said it was rare that Peter ever came in with a finished song. Like, here's the verse, here's the chorus, here's the middle eight. It was more like, Here's pieces of things that we'll yes. work on, and then maybe we'll meld them together. I yes, thought that was really Group interesting. Effort. Yeah, and that's nice. I wonder if there's out there somewhere that version of Big Time that I was talking about that was more of a security type yeah. feel, and which they ended up not using. But yeah. if that's out there, it'd be interesting to hear that. I have to dive into the So Box. There's this So DNA disc that has some edited together earlier versions of tracks and mm-hmm. and I have to say just I should have listened to it before recording this I don't have a strong memory of that track specifically if there was anything that had more of a, um, a dark, perhaps a darker feel to it is kind of how I thought he was talking about with security I also liked how he said that they were working on a song for one of the earlier albums and it was one of those things where they thought oh this is going to be really a big hit this is going to be great and then the next day, Peter said, we now know how we're not going to do this song. <laughs> like, Peter almost was was shying away from the mainstream. And, and talks about so being really the time when he said, okay, I am going to engage with the mainstream. I am going to kind of not listen to his instincts that would say, pull back from that, but really feed into it. So I thought that it's it seems like an interesting world to have been a part of at that point. The one thing that he did say, which now I'll have to go listen to the song and maybe I'll never not hear it without thinking it, is more of the Burgermeister. Yeah. How he, it, to him, it sounded like Woody Woodpecker. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it does have a cartoony, comic booky type of feel to it. I like the story about, you know, playing with Phil and kind of trying yes. to, you know, when, because when Jerry had his back issues, I think it was during the security tour, mm. the fourth album tour. So Phil was going to fill in, but then they decided to do a two-drummer thing because it could kind of work out that way. So that must have been... I I think there are bootlegs of that show floating around, so you can kind of hear what that sounded like. Um, At some point, he mentioned like a third drummer being ready to scoop in, and he was like, I'm doing this. (laughs) He said it was was the original drummer. Right, the drummer on the first album, this guy, Alan Schwartzberg. Um, 
who's again, I think a generally well-known session musician. You know, I think he said he just happened to be around, so he was ready to jump in and and do things with it. So last night, actually, we got to see the security project, Jerry's, uh, which... Again, I was surprised when Jerry said in the interview that it actually wasn't his idea to do this. Yeah. Um, but we got to see them perform up in uh, Newton, New Jersey yesterday. Yes. So, And I think for each of us, it was our second time seeing the band. Right. We had seen them back when they started with a different singer. And so last night, it was with uh, a singer named Happy Rhodes, who's a female singer. Right. So did we have any impressions of this show last night? Oh. First, if you're going to the show and don't want to hear what's played, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about some yes. of the songs. <laughs> yes. yes. So, now for me, I was intrigued uh, to hear Peter's uh, material sung by a female voice, but I have to say it was great, and she has an amazing range, yes. and she can do a Kate Bush, she can do a deeper voice, I mean, she's amazing, she's a super talented, you know, musician, so yes, I, I thoroughly I, enjoyed it. I'm not going to talk about the set list or anything. <laughs> we can, <laughs> anyway, you know. But we will, we'll I'm sure, anyway. I, I already warned people, so yeah. it's their fault if they <laughs> yeah, yeah. keep right. listening. The, uh, and and I've, I've always thought, especially with concerts, like, for me at least, knowing what's going to be played does not ruin the experience for me, mm-hmm. but I know some people are different with that. Uh, I, I thought she was great. I mean, her voice, uh, I looked her up on uh, Wikipedia. It says she has a four-octave range, okay. which is pretty impressive. Because, yeah, there were times when, I mean, she could probably, she can hit all those high notes that Gabriel used to hit right. 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. right. No problem. Uh, and she can also hit the lower registers for when it's needed. And I, I thought they did a great job on covering, not really covering, but playing the songs that, you all know from the first, second, and third albums that are kind of not played by Gabriel these days. Yeah. And then also kind of putting their own spin on tunes like Not One of Us and right. Games Without Frontiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't remember. I had a slightly different arrangement also. And and if, if people have listened to our tribute band episode, I, I've said all along, it's like I prefer cover bands to do things, tribute bands to do things a little not that are not just carbon copies of the originals, and so there are certainly tracks that were very close to the original. I think "Rhythm of the Heat" was right. pretty close, um, but it's nice when a band takes liberties with the music and does something yeah, different yeah. with it. Just by having a female singer, it's going to sound different. So why not play into that a bit more? So exactly. Yeah. I think that was even before. I think the show was announced, I think, when they had her hired, when they hired mm. her as the singer, I figured, well, I'd already seen the security project, mm. but this was a new element to it, which would make me want to go see it again. Right. So I think mm. if anyone out there who has said, oh, I already saw the security project on a few tours before, like, definitely check them out with Happy Roads. Uh, and for, I think she does one, or, one of her own songs, yes. which is not bad. Well, I enjoyed it was good, it. yeah. yeah. Uh, I think did she do a Kate Bush song? I think there was there was a song I didn't know that I think must have been a Kate, Kate Bush, Bush song. But yeah, it was it was a great show. There was an intermission, and they have a couple CDs out of with two with the prior singer, and then one with Happy singing on it. And at the merch table, I picked up one of her CDs, and I compliment getting it signed afterwards. I complimented her on the track that they played and said, "Oh, I bought one of your CDs." And she kind of laughed and said, she's like, my music doesn't sound anything like Peter Gabriel's music. And I said, that's great. You know, that's right. good to yeah, have a variety <laughs> of different things. And even in the interview, I liked how Jerry said that, you know, maybe the security project is built to have kind of a rotating cast of singers come in. 
you know, let's say if they do a tour and Happy's not available for some reason, he had, you know, somebody else in mind who can jump in and do things or other people and kind of have a different flavor to it right. each time based upon the singer. So that's, uh, that, I thought that was an interesting idea. Just looking back at Peter's catalog, like the first two albums have some good tracks on it, some mm-hmm. classic tracks. And obviously, so has some stuff. But when you look at three and four, mm-hmm. I mean, that, those are just two standalone, brilliant albums where every track you don't know what's coming next because it's right. so different and so out there. Where yeah, I could see yeah, these these weren't radio friendly songs really. This was right. him experimenting with different stuff, and it, and it's great to see this performed live. But then I could see yes. yeah, where Peter is looking at everybody else having this yeah. kind of success. So we might have tamed that back a little bit for so. And the thing that always I had always heard, maybe it's not true, and I don't remember where I hear it, is that he did kind of go more commercial-oriented for so because he was looking to get money to build his own recording studio. That's what I had heard. It could have been, I think it was during that process when he was building it, but maybe the a, a record doing well would really be able to have him build Real World, which is yeah. what he ended up building after that, so... You know, that is, it's a long-term investment, so, and it's allowed him to do 200 tracks of percussion for, yeah. you know, different uh, different songs on his later albums. So. Yeah, Jerry, last night, uh, right before the encore, he spoke to the audience yeah. and said, you know, yes, we are, he thanked, you know, all of us for being there and everything, and he said, yeah, we're playing these more obscure songs because we know Pierre is not playing them anymore. Right. And he's been on tour recently with Sting and everything, but... The set list they did last night was for us. Where <laughs> right, the longer term fans. <laughs> exactly, that, amazing. Yeah, and that's uh, and I do wonder if there's any people who go there think like, oh, I'm going to hear Sledgehammer exactly. and you know, Big Time, mm-hmm. Don't Give Up, and kind of go, what is all this weird music that's happening? So families fishing nets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so and although I will say in Peter's defense too, not that he needs defending from us, he <laughs> he has. He does family snapshot. He did family in the fishing net on on the you last on the so tour that they oh, did. Yeah. Um, they did they opened with rhythm of the heat on the Sting and Peter Gabriel tour. Yes. So yes. it's he he does take some dives into his back catalog, but I think last time he really did was when he did those tours in maybe two thousand six two thousand seven in Europe where he did play things from the first and second albums and third albums that he hasn't hasn't played. In a long time, so um, I wish he had brought that tour to the U.S. Yeah. But you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, it was a great yeah. night. So yeah, yes. the security project definitely check them out. Go see them. Yes, so, don't miss the show. It's it's something that after seeing this show, I'm like the next time they come around, I would certainly go see them. Which, to be honest, I think after the first show, I was interested. The first show in 2012 that we saw. Right. I was interested, but I wasn't like, oh, I have to see them the next time they come around. Now I'm like, oh, the next time they come around, I have to see them. Especially if they have a different singer, because right. you know, or, they're going to get something... Yeah, it could be different. Yeah. But even if it's with Happy, oh, I'm yeah, sure they... Oh, yes, 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 definitely. Yeah, didn't mean... But yeah. Yes, so... So, yeah. Whatever the lineup, we'll go see them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you all very much. Again, thank you to AJ for setting up this interview with Jerry. Thank you to Jerry himself for giving his time so generously. Uh, who knows? Maybe he's close enough geographically to where we live. Maybe we'll talk to him again at some point because I, I think he has a lot of stories to tell, which I think would be really interesting for those of us who 
love this music and would have a different perspective on things. So this is Mike signing off. This is Ellie signing off. This is Tom signing off. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis. Archived episodes can be found at tabletopgenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have shows automatically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, follow us on Twitter at Genesis Tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis, and you can email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes.